0: you know, I also looked back and I was like, man, that's five years of mistakes. I, I've got to use these somehow. And so right away I said, well, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna have a plan and I'm gonna have strategy. And, and then of course, you know, the big consideration was, can I build this company and still sort of retain the quality of life that I want?
1: That is Maria Rapitskaya today on the podcast. Hi, I'm Joel Pilger. Today is Wednesday, December 21st. Happy holidays, everyone. Hard to believe it's already that time of year. But today I am interviewing Maria on the topic of why small studios rule. That's here on the Rev Thinking podcast where we're helping motion design and production studios around the world reach the next level. Welcome to Rev Thinking. Rev Think leverages years of experience and practical wisdom to help owners of top creative studios so you don't have to choose between following your passion and running your business. Now, here's your host, Joel Pilger. Okay, let me ask you a tough question and be honest with yourself. If you run a motion design studio or a production company, do you live to work or do you work? to live. I could also put it this way, does your business run your life or does your business support your life? Hey, it's Joel here today. I'm talking with Maria Rapitskaya. I've known Maria for several years now. She runs Undefined Creative in New York, which is a small motion design studio that has been in business for almost seven years. Now, what's interesting is most studio owners start small, of course, and then over the years they grow. But in Maria's case, she started small but has stayed small very intentionally. Now, some of you might know the article I wrote a few months ago called Why Small Studios Struggle. And if you accept the underlying premise of that title, it begs the question, well, why would anyone want to stay small? Well, today on the podcast, I ask her that question. And we also get into some related topics such as, is there a bias in America, in the United States, that says all growth is good? And can having an interesting personal life, benefit your work life in your business and what if those two were more integrated well i know you're going to enjoy this conversation with maria on the topic of why small studios rule well hello maria it's nice to be with you today this is pretty awesome <laughs> so here i am in brooklyn how far are we from manhattan here just a couple of miles we're as the crow flies
0: probably not even we're downtown so we're about two train stops out, Yeah, for those of, the, for, for those of us frightened of, of leaving the island.
1: And we are what, at the, on the 31st floor? We're
0: on the 31st floor overlooking the New York City harbor.
1: Now, what I think is so interesting um, is that this is your studio, and it's also your home. Indeed. So let me, let me ask you a couple questions to let you uh, tell people who you are and what you do. So Undefined Creative is your studio, And uh, and what is Undefined?
0: So Undefined Creative is a creative agency I started about six and a half years ago um, in March of 2010, and our focus is on motion graphics and then whatever related supplementary, complementary services clients need.
1: So six and a half years, that's pretty impressive because I'm thinking, obviously, just to get past year one, year two is quite... A journey so now that you've been doing it six seven years like hey I guess this is gonna go this is gonna work it pays the bills it's working <laughs>
0: <laughs> it pay- I live here on the 31st floor overlooking the harbor so exactly. something's got
1: to be going right and are is most of your work for broadcast network television or is it ad agencies is it brands what's what's sort of your body of work I are in mean, clients
0: So we work a lot in TV still. My background is broadcast, and so is my executive producers. Um, So we still do a good chunk of work for TV shows, uh, broadcast design packages, and um, in-show graphics. Uh, But then we've also expanded into other markets. We do videos for for social, for marketing, for events. So I think right now we're probably at about 50-50 on broadcast versus (coughs) all other screens and and everything else
1: got it and your executive producer Kathy is that the extent of your full-time team is you and Kathy
0: no we actually have one more full-time person with us now Um, his name is Steven he's our lead designer slash animator so I'm grooming him to to get bigger and better and uh, hopefully become a second CD at some point
1: got it and so full-time size of three but so tell me about when you guys get busy and you're taking on projects, how do you scale up? And do you have often three or four freelancers in the mix? What, what does that look like?
0: Uh, it Depends on the season, depends on the workflow. Uh, but yeah, normally when it's slow, we try to keep it in the family. Uh, the moment that we get busy, we start adding on people, whether that's um, you know, the, the audio post house that we work with or the editors that we work with, production people. Uh, whatever it takes, freelance designers, and we've got our little roster of go-tos. Obviously, sometimes people aren't available, and then we start looking outside the network. So,
1: and are those freelancers often uh, here in New York, or are they in the U.S. or around the world? Does it vary?
0: You know, it varies. I would think I would say that with freelance people, we are usually unconcerned with where they're located. Mm-hmm. Um, for our full timers, for both you know Kathy, myself, and Stephen, and anyone else we hire on a full time basis moving forward, um, unless we're starting undefined creative LA, I think we we want them to be we want them to be within reasonable commuting distance to New York because we do we do get together. Yeah, sure. You know once or twice a week, um, especially if we're not too busy. Um, you know it's not every day, right? Right. But we we do like to see each other's faces.
1: Now I'm curious, before Undefined, what were you doing? Like what was sort of the story that led you to start Undefined? Um, Were you freelancing before that? Did you have a job, a position somewhere? Were you here in New York or elsewhere?
0: So directly prior to Undefined, I had another company for roughly five years uh, with a partner who was also A boyfriend at the time seems to be a very very common story in this industry Um, we just can't get away from each other so yeah you just date from the pool of the people that are working with you until midnight so um, yeah so I um, at the beginning of that that five years I did a lot of freelancing as we got the company ramped up into something that we could actually um, sustain ourselves on and then probably it Took about two years before I said I can't freelance on site anymore. Got so, you know, those first two years, it was really kind of a combination of things. Um, but then the following three, we really sustained ourselves on client projects. And so, you know, these days I look back on it and I see that as kind of my business school 1.0. I don't feel that we were a successful company by any means. Um, I think we were really just two freelancers Great. with a joint website and this idea of a company, but we really had no idea of what we were doing. To our credit, we were super young and really ambitious and we worked hard and you know, we believed in what we were doing, but by and large, we were clueless. Um, so to answer your question, prior to Undefined, I had a test run at right. doing this, right? So this is the real thing.
1: right? <laughs> Well, it's interesting because you're. I see that it's a, a common pattern that uh, a freelancer and maybe another freelancer or three will come together under a name and they say, hey, we have a company, but they're really freelancers and they continue operating as freelancers, but they're sort of hoping to build a name and a reputation um, and some, you know, some Small studios make it through that transition, and they have their own identity. They get their own clients, and they're not just doing freelance work for other studios. Um, but in your case, who who were some of the type? What were some of the types of companies that you freelance for? Because I think you were did you freelance at Trollback for one, and other people here in New York for those for those years.
0: Yeah, I freelanced uh, with Fuel quite a bit, um, with Charlotte's a couple of times. Uh, Curious Pictures was another one, but. Um, You know, we did have our own clients. I don't want to make it sound like we just, you know, went and pulled freelance work and took it out of house and worked from home on our pajamas on things that Charlottes was giving to us. That was certainly not the case, especially back then, because you're talking, we started this in 2005 when getting work out of house from a major studio was fairly unheard of. Um, people just didn't do that unless you were a huge name, and it was a West Coast, East Coast thing. Right. Um, it never, it never actually happened. But we did have some some clients we worked with, uh, the Maury Show. That's that's when that relationship got started. So when I say that we remained two freelancers, it wasn't necessarily because even of the the caliber of work that we were doing it was it was really a testament to how we were running the business the fact that we had no stra- no strategy no plan no marketing plan no business plan no finance plan no uh, you name it you could go on you know blank plan Right. <laughs> there was none we had a like, i had a vacation plan always yes. uh, yeah so we'll get to that <laughs> but but you know, it was um, it was interesting because, like I said, I, I still look back on it and I wonder how we kept that afloat. Um, a lot of it had to do with a good chunk of our work was coming from a place that was completely outside of broadcast and, and television. And um, you know, we had this we had a whole segment of work that we were getting that was actually, believe it or not, casino gaming. Hmm. Okay. Um, and doing animation and illustration for video slots. So I think, I, yeah, it was just this really bizarre combination of, of events and, and clients. Um, but at the end of the day, when I walked away, I, I really didn't even feel that there was a company there that was worth right splitting, holding fighting, holding on to. It was just the clients are going to go where the clients want to go. And
1: and there you are. Done. Yeah. And here I am. Now, I want to say that I met you probably four four or five years I ago
0: for the summer
1: okay yeah. and we met at the motion conference but when I met you I was immediately intrigued because well first of all you you're a thoughtful and uh, reflective person and when you spoke at motion I want to say that first year that you you talked about designing your life designing your No, career. that was your two that was your that two? was year two the first what was year year one
0: was uh, professional volunteering
1: actually yes okay okay so professional volunteering the next year was what was that title of- that
0: was the designing your life
1: okay story and at that point you and i became friends and i actually had an opportunity what about a year ago that we we actually worked together and i did some consulting and and so forth to, to help undefined but i think what i found so interesting about as i got to know you was that you really didn't fit into what I would call the typical pattern.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How many times have I heard that in my life?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and so I think just to explain what the typical pattern is, is, I don't know, maybe it's this Western or American predisposition that we have that if we start a business, we want more, we want bigger, we want better, and so we're growing. We're looking for bigger and better opportunities where we'll I always wanna grow, grow, grow. And your designing your life talk that you gave at Motion really sort of painted a different picture. It was a different paradigm. What was, that, what was sort of the heart and soul of, of that topic that you delivered at Motion?
0: You know, I, I basically spoke to this idea that this mythological work-life balance that everyone likes to talk about these days Is really only relevant when you figure out what on earth that means for you. And so that's going to be different for different people. And it has many components. There's the what you want to do with your work, what you want to do with your life, what you want to do with your time off, um, what's important to you, what's not important to you. And when you sort of figure out what you want your big picture to be, um, you start slowly filling in the blanks and and working towards it. And the big picture is going to evolve and it's going to evolve constantly. Um, but you know, the idea being is that, you know, there's really no one size fits all.
1: Right. Sure. And
0: if you go through life thinking that success means a, because that's what you've always been told and that makes sense. And you're like, yeah, sure. Success is a, and then you kinda of risk being you know, 60 years old and turning around and going, you know, I kinda of think I had that wrong. So you're better off figuring that out at whatever, whatever point, whatever age you are right now. Yep. <laughs> if you're not sure, <laughs> um, my advice is, is think about it because you could be headed in a completely different direction from where you actually wanna
1: go. So in your case, what I heard you say was I sat down At some point and you you said I'm gonna design my life and my business my career this industry is part of that right but there was a certain amount of intentionality that you went through that process with that I think is unusual because most people just say well I'm gonna start a business it's gonna be great it's gonna be amazing we're gonna make a lot of money we're gonna be famous we're gonna have all this freedom right Um, but they like you said, turn around many years later and say, wow, this isn't what I wanted actually. So when you had the opportunity to define, <laughs> sorry for the pun, um, <laughs> but when you said all the time, yeah, when you said, I want, uh, I want my studio undefined creative to be about these things in order to create this kind of life. What was it? What were the big things for you?
0: So I want to preface that with, I had a lot of role models in my life for things to do and for things not to do. And I think he some point was uh, some of the places that I've worked were definitely a, a very heavy influence on that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I, you know, so, sort of in full disclosure, I started the studio around the same time that I was going through a lot of personal turmoil, uh, breakup and a move. And so I literally had this blank slate That was now going to be my life. And I said, well, this is kind of my second chance, right? I I tried sketching this once. I I clearly did not get that right. (laughs) So let me try this again. So naturally, I was at a point in my life where a lot of soul searching just had to happen. And in restarting a company, um, I really had a lot of things to consider as to, you know, do I really want to do this? Why do I really want to do this? And one of the best um, role models for what not to do actually came from two people who I love dearly. They were ex-bosses who started a studio in their basement and they loved doing what they did. And the bigger they grew and the, the heavier the overhead got and the more people, and it was just a classic tale, right? They didn't even get that big, Joe. They got to be about 10 or 11 people at the height and they were miserable. They were working crazy hours. They barely saw their kids. They, you know, it was, just, it, it, it's, it, you've heard this, right?
1: Yes, very much. Um, very common the is, pattern. Right.
0: But I was working for them in my early 20s and I was quite impressionable. And I was already kind of pissed about my two weeks of vacation. And that was not enough for me. Um, and right around the time where I hit the five-year mark with them, I graduated to three weeks of vacation. But that was, I believe, according to company policy, that would be max. And so, you know, it was kind of then where I was like, I don't like this. Like This, this just doesn't work for me. I don't want to live like this. And so um, I think with Undefined, that a lot of the decisions came from that. Now, my prior company, we ran it from home because, well, we were a couple and we didn't have startup capital and kind of just seemed like the only thing to do. Um, and it was always a lot of smoke and mirrors and, you yes. know, I mean, 2005, you Perception, couldn't say reality. and yeah, yeah. But in 2005, you couldn't really go out and say, you know, yeah, we run a home office. What's the big deal? Right. You know, who, who cares? In those New days, York overhead. right? Yeah.
1: In those days, it really mattered what yeah. your address was and your office and Absolutely. the environment and where clients could visit and all this stuff.
0: So we got a place on Avenue C, uh, I'm sorry, on East 20th street. Um, and it sounded really good because it was a Manhattan address, but if anybody knew Manhattan, they would know that we were so far east, we were practically in the river <laughs> and there was no commercial space over on that end. It was just Ivis in town. Um, but yeah, so i already, I already knew that that could work. And the climate in 2010, when I started the shop was that it was becoming very, very obvious that this remote sort of model that we were running, it was going to be the future. How long and how quickly, um, you know, to, to what extent and how quickly that got uh, picked up was still to be determined. Uh, but more and more, I realized that another year or two, and I'm not going to have to apologize for what I'm doing.
1: So you saw that trend changing, and you realized, you know, the address, the facility, the environment is not so important anymore. Yep. That, that, that yep. world is going away.
0: Um, so that was a big factor in saying, you know, I could try this again because I don't feel the need to start a company with massive overhead. I don't need investors. I could basically, I can just go out and try and do the same thing I did last time. It's just, you know, now, now I'm alone. So that was, that was sort of the, the part one of the decision. And then, uh, you know, I also looked back and I was like, man, that's five years of mistakes. I, I got to use these somehow. And so right away, I said, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have a plan and I'm going to have strategy and I'm going to figure out I'm not going to be alone running this for long. And the person I hire is not going to be another artist. It's going to be someone who can do all that stuff that I couldn't care less to do and actually enjoy it. You mean things like sales and well. We can get to that later. Yeah, produce, <laughs> that's a whole other animal, but yes, producing, uh, financials, operations, insurances—you know, all. I, I, that's the junk I never wanted to see again. Um, and then, of course, you know, the big consideration was: can I build this company and still sort of retain the quality of life that um, that I want?
1: Now, on that, I would say that is such a loaded phrase that you just said there in terms of quality of life because most people hear that and they think yeah, 2 to 3 weeks vacation and you know, I get the I have the flexibility since I run my own shop of how I work and when I work and t-. but you've taken it to a whole other level i would say because in your case why would so answer me this Why was three weeks vacation never going to be good enough for you when you were employed?
0: Okay, so let's, we're going to have to jump back a little bit here. So I grew up in the Soviet Union. Okay. That's A. So my idea of, you know, success is shaped by, you know, spending the first 10 years of my life in a communist country. Okay. Right? So from that, you could probably gather that success to me has little to do with making millions. Right. Now, I also grew up in a place where my mom had, I believe it was, she would take two months off in the summer. Um, She was also always self-employed. She worked from home her whole entire life, and she ran a small business, effectively in communist Russia, um, from her house doing clothing design. So, you know, a lot, of, a lot of what you see here, it, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm really just evolving what she started. You are your mother's daughter. I'm, I'm 2.0. So, you know, why was three weeks of vacation never enough? Because that is not how I grew up. So this idea of two to three weeks of vacation that you're begging someone to take and that you feel apologetic for taking, it's just not my idea of a good time
1: so what is your idea of a good time because I think you sat down and actually said I'm going to create a plan for my business to enable this life that I want to live in this lifestyle and what did that look like
0: uh, look I don't want to make it sound like I work three weeks out of the year and, and then I No, won't. we know no. that we um, Look, the, the reality of it is is that um, I knew I had to surround myself with really good people that I trust. So the the person I hired full time right away was the person that I could trust to leave my business in the hands of for you know whenever I felt like taking off. Right. Um, and the other thing is is I realized that um, if I do all of my due diligence and do my hours tracking and really track our production cycles and workflows. I could figure out when it's safe for me to escape for how long in ways that don't necessarily create drama right. you know, while I'm away. Right. Now look, obviously drama will always happen. Drama happens when I'm here. Right? No one no one is immune to to workplace drama. So um so I did a lot of that, especially in the first couple of years. It was about, all right, well, like look, production's slowing down. I don't need to be here this week. Why am I gonna sit here and barely work when I can put in a couple of, you know, 14, 16, however many hour days this week, this week that I'm already here. Yeah. And next week I can be in Costa Rica, right? So a lot of it just has to do with working smarter, um, which I think a lot of people in full-time positions can relate to you know those days when it's 3 p.m. and it's a beautiful day outside and there is nothing for you to do today but you are sitting there and you're sitting there on the clock and you can't leave until five if you're lucky or six or seven depending on the industry that you're in and like well, that's
1: stupid why do we do that to ourselves so what's the longest chunk of time that you've taken off
0: the longest chunk of time I took was seven
1: weeks. Seven and weeks. And you, yeah. I'm, I know this, but I'm going to ask for our audience. And I'm guessing you traveled. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did indeed. And for you, traveling is not like going upstate New York. What kind of places, when you do travel, do you, where do you go?
0: So if, you we're like gonna, go? if we're going to take these seven weeks in particular, okay. um, I started with a one-way ticket to Nepal because I wanted to do some trekking. So, um, I did 70, 17 days on the Annapurna circuit, and that was amazing.
1: And I'm guessing you're probably not on the grid when you're trekking, right? So you're fully out of pocket. Like you're
0: for about the first two weeks of that I was. Like
1: you don't have a laptop in the in oh, your backpack. and
0: no, well, well, I took the laptop with me. Sure. I took a laptop with me because this this was also a very interesting situation. We, Um, we lost two big clients right as we were going into the fall winter you know it, it was just a really odd time and how can I put this I knew that I could either I could either use this time to do something for myself that will really reset me and clear my head and like take all of that stress and you know, just, just everything that I was feeling as a result of like losing clients due to circumstances that were completely beyond my control. Um, and I can just go and do something productive with this and just really give myself some time to like recuperate and rejuvenate and do something for me.
1: Well, that's it's it's interesting because I would say that is not <coughs> normal. That's not really very normal. Most people who run a small business, if they had lost two clients... And they said I have a seven-week window they would say I've got seven weeks to go find two new clients I've got seven weeks to uh, build up do a piece of spec work and do a new demo reel and create a new marketing plan and you're sitting here shaking your head like yeah no not me not me what yeah what is it that's so I don't know what is it that's different about you the way that you're wired that you can I don't know so you can shake off that temptation to just fill every little hole of time with work. So
0: in this window of time, I saw an opportunity. And for the first time in my life, I bought a one-way ticket somewhere and that's something I've always wanted to do. We got creative. My EP, um, actually our friends who own a post house needed a a part-time producer. So we split her hours so that it wasn't a burden on either company Um, and I said to her, you know, I'm going to send out a bunch of emails before I go to try and sort of reconnect with people. I'll do my best over this month or two before I leave on March 1st. Um, and then you email me and you tell me when you need me to come back. And if there's work, I've got my laptop. I'll park somewhere with a good Wi-Fi connection just for the next like three weeks. Don't talk to me because I'm, I, I'm not doing anything. But then after that, I'm good and um, I've got a really good client of mine always laughs because I tried doing a conference call with him from like the middle of I think it was Chitwan National Park in Nepal where the elephants live and uh, the conference call didn't go so well because the signal kept dropping and finally he was like look we could talk when you return it's not a rush but just I'm gonna need to know the story of where you were trying to speak from. Um, But that's the other thing, too, right? It's like, you know, a situation like that, um, in reality, when I got back, it just made for a really great story with a client, and in the end, it wasn't a big deal. I think, you know, to to answer your question of why can I do this, I am not my career. I love my career, and I am very grateful for my career. I'm exceptionally grateful for my career. Um, But that's just a... part of my life, that is not its entirety. And if all I do is spend my time worrying about my career and ignore all of the windows of opportunity that life hands me to do some of the other things that I want to do, there are plenty of people, to your point, who would have said, yes, I'm going to drum up clients. But then there are also plenty of people who would say, you know, I've always wanted to make this film. Sure. And now I don't have work, and you know I'm I'm totally stressed out about this, and I can't think about this stuff anymore, and I need a break. I'm gonna go do, and I'm I'm gonna shoot this film, and I'm gonna spend seven weeks on that, right? Uh, for me, I've never wanted to make a film, but I've always uh, I've always wanted to go trek in the Himalayas, so
1: there I went. There you went. Well, I think you also bring up something interesting that. You know we come from such a place of work as a default i find it sometimes a bit exhausting talking with other people in the industry and all they want to do is talk about the job or mm-hmm. the work and there's nothing against like okay great you did this really cool project you got to work for this big brand you did this thing for this great big tv network but i've been there i've done all that and so it's a little bit at times like okay can we talk about something else
0: part of the way that we run the studio and in our sort of client relation model, relationships model, um, you know, first and foremost, I just try to remember we're all people. You know, and everybody's got a life outside of their desk and they've got families and hobbies and interests. And uh, you know, I think the, the fact that I am not my career helps me treat other people and see them as people and not the sums of their titles yes. and the work that they're bringing to me. Uh, which I think is just a horrible way to live life personally. Um, And so how does my travel and just kind of all the other, you know, I I also don't want to make sound like, you know, travel is the only interest that I have on the side, but, um, you know, it it is kind of the the oddball thing about me. Um, How does that inform me? Well, man, when I think about some of the situations that I found myself in, you know police is halfway across the world when i don't speak the language and i'm in i don't know and i've got to figure out like where to sleep tonight or you, you know you you sort of learn to be a lot more zen about things just naturally
1: and maybe resourceful
0: and resourceful and and also you know i um i'm i'm into a lot of sort of like strenuous physical stuff you know if you i don't rock climb by any means, but if you, if you give me a very large hill to walk up, um, that just, just put me on a right. path and say, go or and, mountain or, or mountain. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's also, there's, there's something for the physical challenges that you put yourself through that just teaches you how to grind through it when you have to. Um, and sort of this sort of mind over matter. Yes. Way of looking at things. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's I've learned a ton from
1: my trips. One thing I know is that people in our industry love working with people that are inspired, that are excited, but that are also interesting and diverse. I know if I was, you know, if I put myself in the shoes of one of your clients, I would think, gosh, I really enjoy Maria because she comes from a larger perspective. She's not from the United States. She's been all these different places. She's just an interesting and cultured person. And I can't help but think that's going to translate into the work that her studio does for me. Am I right about that?
0: I hope so. I mean, we I really so, do. Right? Yeah. I, I really hope so. Um, and I think You know, I think a lot of our client relationships, I would say, would attest to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got some very personal relationships established with a lot of our clients. Um, And I think part of it is just, yeah, this ability to speak about things other than work, because I have plenty of things. Um, And and I think, you know, I think a lot of people do have plenty of things to speak about other than work. But I think, you know, we, we sort of and I think this may be, again, like a very American thing that there's this barrier between your work personality and your and your personality and your real
1: personality I I don't
0: have a work personality (laughs) (laughs) like this is it yeah so I might like tone it down a notch you know between when I'm when I'm out with my girls and when I'm out at a meeting but um, really what you see is what you get Um, there's no there's no duplicity in in, in anything that I do so um you know perhaps that's something that comes across
1: but it's 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 endearing and charming in its own way it's refreshing too right when there's no yeah there's no guile and
0: yeah but we we approach our projects the same way we approach clients the same way we cut through the marketing speak and you know we really try to just get down to it and say you know how how do we make your life easier right now and what are you actually looking for and you know just kind of cut through like the the padding of conversation in so much of business these days yeah um again kind of goes back to where people speaking with other people
1: now let's talk about growth and this idea of i guess challenging the assumption that all growth is good because when tim thompson and i connected with you and kathy i don't know it was a little over a year ago Yeah. Um, what I found really refreshing was your approach to how you want to run your business and where you want to see it go and there's an article I wrote an article um, several months ago called why small studios struggle and it got a ton of attention a lot of people read it I think just because of the title alone there's a lot of small studios and when they see that they say oh wait what's What's the trick? Like, what's the trick so that I can grow and succeed? And certainly there are principles and concepts for small studios that want to get to the next level. But I look at your model and I say, you actually have been very intentional about staying small. And I thought, you know, in some cases, small studios rule, right? Do you want to grow it?
0: I think the key for us is controlled, sustainable growth, right? Um, Do we want to get bigger clients, grander work? Sure. If it, if it means continuing to work with good people, absolutely. Um, if it means taking on people that we don't want to work with, uh, no. You know, I, I and don't. Then
1: that, that's clients as well, and that's
0: clients as well. Collaborators, absolutely, and, yeah. absolutely. You know, our our key thing is that we work with and for people who share a mutual respect of each other, each other's time, um, you know, value each other's contributions, don't take advantage, um, and kind of that that list goes on. But um, our growth does not necessarily mean doubling our revenue every year by any means Mm -hmm. Um, I think at this point right now we're three core full time people they tell me they're happy with what they're getting paid so I'm going to believe them you know I profit share so I want to make sure that everybody feels vested in what we're building here because I don't want to go through people every year it's a painful process and I I don't enjoy that Um, and so you know, the idea is that, you know, we're a core of three right now, and we want to maintain this and sustain it so that people's salaries can grow, um, that, you know, the, whatever profit sharing we've got going on can sort of grow proportionally so that we don't have to worry about how we're going to make payroll. If we decide to bring on a couple of more people, it's possible in the next two or three years. But I think, you know, five, I mean, six... Would Really be the ceiling and I don't even know. I don't even know if we would go there. Yeah Um, I mean, I can see how like another full-time person would really complete the the group that we have right now Mm -hmm. Um, But until we figure out precisely who that person is and what kind of skills they need to bring to the table We're not gonna go
1: for it. Yeah, I it's I think it's just refreshing and maybe unexpected that I can say, of course, firsthand from knowing you and working with you and even sort of looking at the man behind the curtain, that you run a really healthy business, right? And it is sustainable. You, are, you have designed it in such a way that you have uh, time for your lifestyle, right? And that your business supports your life, not the other way around. But I think it's, it's surprising, but yet encouraging that you can be a small studio and stay small and remain small and still be very healthy.
0: Flexibility. You know, we're not this institutional gorilla with so many structures and people and salaries and overhead, etc., cetera, in place that if you want to turn the ship a little bit, 15 people have to approve it and get on board. Um, we don't have debt. We don't have financing. We don't have investors. When I want to make a decision, I have to clear it with two people. And at the end of the day, I'm the boss. So, you know, if if I really stand behind something, it happens. Um, We rely on our own resources, but that's also not such a bad thing because that means we never get in way over our heads Mm -hmm. because we know, you know, we're a full-time team of three people. There is only so much that we accomplish. There's only so much work that we can go after. There's only so much work that we can do. Right. So even the, the thing about like running after new jobs, well, yeah, that's great. You know, I do plenty of business development, but um, in the end, you know, we, we can't take on every project. Like, you know, we, do we turn down work? We try not to, um, especially if it's with people that we love to work with and it's new opportunities and potential clients. Do we turn down jobs when they don't fit what we're trying to do? Yeah. Are we afraid to lose clients when they don't fit what we're trying to do? No, we'll do it. We don't do it often because I don't like to burn bridges. But, you know, I had an instance actually yesterday when I washed my hands of a pretty long relationship with someone because it was very, very clear that we just were not on the same page about how
1: work gets done. And how much fear... Went into that decision from your standpoint. Zero. Oh, because you, it was very clear.
0: Zero. Well, I mean, look. I again, this kind of goes back to I want to work with people who respect my time, who I, you know, um, you, and you you know my whole stance on free work. We're not. There's not enough time in this podcast to get into right. that. But um, you mean
1: we don't want to spend a time ranting about the whole oh. spec work side of the business? Okay. No,
0: <laughs> you'll, you'll have to get me for that another time. But. Uh, you know, but it, 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 it was a situation where I, you know, went out of my way to try and help somebody. And in the end, they were just pissed because at some point I cut them off.
1: Okay, I see. Sure. You know,
0: and then it was like, you know what, like, if this is the case, then anything you're drumming up right now, whatever opportunities you've got, whatever it is, I want no part of. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if we can't, if you can't work with me while I'm working with you for free, and do it in a way that respects my time and my decisions, then how are you going to work together when you have money? And you feel entitled fully and completely yes, sure. to the work that I'm doing. Yeah,
1: that, that's the that's the example of um, no one values that which they get for free. Indeed. Right? And that, that that's why those type of relationships can be challenging, <laughs> to say the least. But it does sound like that being small small and staying small has at times required you to say no to those occasional projects or clients' opportunities. And I guess it's nice just to hear you honestly say, sure, am I scared at times? Do I worry they're they're never gonna come back? They went to work with a different vendor, will they come back? Um, So those fears are there, but you're also going into year seven so apparently it's working.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, there, there's always a, a, you know, there's such a thing as healthy fear, right? And healthy fear is what gets you up at six o'clock in the morning when you need to be up. And, you know, I've done that for the last three days. And, um, you know, maybe healthy fear is a healthy sense of responsibility, Yeah, I think, is, is really more what it is um, for, you know, your own financial well-being for the financial well-being of the people that you've hired your family etc et right um and that healthy sense of responsibility just keeps you moving and keeps you moving in the right direction but i think the moment that that becomes sort of a rational fear you're running your business from this cat i love this this is kathy's phrase uh running your business from a place of fear she loves this um because we've got friends in the business that that do this oh I see. and um you know, we're, we're very, very keen about not going in that direction because that is not how I live, and that is certainly not the way that I'm going to run my company.
1: Uh, yeah, I've always liked putting it this way that really the best place for an entrepreneur to function is right in the middle of fear and excitement. So, equal parts. And I think once I realized that running a business is always going to have certain amount of fear, but it's always going to have a certain amount of excitement. And as long as those two are in equal, roughly, proportion, it's a very healthy place to be. But it's also refreshing to know that, you know what, the fear part actually never goes away. And I think this is part of why we as entrepreneurs in this industry, we always pursue growth is because we think if we grow and we get bigger and we get more successful that the fear is going to go away. And it doesn't. And, and many times growth leads to more fear and more problems, more responsibility, right? So I love that you, I think you figured out where am I happy and where am I comfortable? What, what, where, where's, what's that mixture of fear and excitement going to look like for me? And you've designed your business around that, uh, to serve that. And I, I love that. I just find that very, uh, refreshing.
0: Thank you. In as much as
1: possible. Yes, of course. In as much as possible. Yeah, I don't want to. I'm not trying to paint a a Pollyanna picture of it because, of course, you live in the real world like the rest of us, Um, but you do have a different take on how I'm going to run my business and the boundaries that you've set. And every time I talk to you and you say, "Oh, this during this slow season, I'm going to be taking off and going to far-flung place." What's your next? trip?
0: Indonesia.
1: Indonesia. Okay. And, the, yeah, I love, and I love this. I'm like, wait, who gets to do that? But you, again, you've, you've figured out the patterns, the cycles in your business. And you say, I know this time of the year and I know that time of the year, and I'm going to very intentionally make this work for my overall life. And it's not just all about the business comes first and everything serves the business.
0: Well, I think it's also, look, we're, we're in a pretty volatile industry in a pretty volatile time, just in general, right? I mean, everything is changing. Um, everything is changing greatly in the next month. Who knows um, where things are really going to go um, in this country with respect to business in yep. general? Yep. Um, it's kind of hard to predict. Um, and just the current current events around the world, the technology, the pace with which everything is shifting, um, it's hard to say how long any of us are going to last in this business. Um, you know, things can change tomorrow and everything we do can become obsolete or just not as in demand or done by algorithms. Right? So you, you, we just don't know. And I, so I think, you know, for me, there's always just been a healthy dose of reality too, that this isn't eternal. You know, mm-hmm. the, this is not what I'm going to be doing with myself for the rest of my life. If I'm lucky, it'll last me to whenever I decide to retire and I'll be very fortunate if that happens. But, you know, for, for all I know, there's a really good chance that it may end before that, again, with just sort of global circumstances that are entirely out of my control.
1: Well, you've, I've also seen that over the years that we've known each other, that you are investing. Yourself into things beyond your business, and that is that you speak, you write, you know, you wrote a, you've done several great articles in ninety nine U, and I think that's a really good example of your career is bigger than your business, and your life is even bigger than your career, right? So this, it's almost like I'm, I'm picturing concentric circles
0: of, (laughs) you know,
1: here's your life, and then here's your career, and then here's your your business. But yeah, one day your business may change it may shift it may go away and at that point i think you've you're already laying the foundation for hey i'm i'm teaching i'm speaking i'm writing i've got all these other things that i'm doing that they're they're all part of part of you do you think down the road that those those things will increase
0: i hope so i mean i i love i love speaking i love writing i, I love doing these podcasts frankly <laughs> this is believe it or not this is my third one this week That's fantastic. It's been a week of podcasts. (laughs) So um, yeah, I mean, I I really do hope that increases because to me right now, this is just a really awesome unpaid hobby. Yeah, You know, it's something I enjoy. It's a way for me to sort of pay it forward and um, share whatever mistakes and and, uh, bumps I've hit around uh, along the road. You know, do I think that one day this could replace what I do in a financial sense? I, who knows, you right. know, but I think part of that, too, is I want to make sure that I'm running this company in a way that maximizes what my the, the people who are with me on this on this ship are, are making, mm-hmm. um, you know, to make sure that for as much as we can, you know, their financial situation gets better and that yeah. their opportunities to do the things that they may want to do post undefined creative growth, you know, because, again, this is like none, none of this is eternal look at you 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 know ten years ago you probably thought you'd be running impossible for the rest of your life
1: oh I And here you are I definitely did yeah and the lesson learned was a business is great but a business does not define your career and as we've been saying here your career doesn't even really define your life your entire life so yes everybody will go through transitions at one point or another one day your business will come to an end and that's not necessarily a bad thing because there's more to do there's we all have to grow we have to evolve we have to learn and in my case i got to take my 20 years of experience and start translating it and giving it back giving it away so that's been exciting for me um i wish i could say yeah 20 years ago that was my plan all along <laughs> but you know full disclosure. Uh, You learn as you go. And I had an opportunity to sell it and then realized, wait a minute, I'm not done yet. Just because I I sold my business doesn't mean I'm no longer an active, uh, as Tim calls it, elder in the industry. So here I am.
0: See, another 10 years, I may come work for you and Tim. That's right.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks for this conversation. It's great to get your perspective. And I hope people enjoyed kind of hearing a little bit of the behind the scenes on how you run your studio and how totally. it fits into your overall life. And I think it's been a really cool conversation.
0: Well, thank you for doing this. I'm glad we finally got together.
1: Cheers. Thanks for listening to Rev Thinking. For more insights on running your creative studio or to ask us a question, visit RevThink.com. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends. And it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community. I look forward to seeing you there.